fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. This is Koinonia Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Great place, great show. And today, we're also going to have a great topic. Koinonia is an old Greek word for community and fellowship. Sometimes I heard people define fellowship as a bunch of fellows in the ship. <laughs> but you know what? For the Christian, that's about right because we're in the same place, uh, supposed to be going to the same place together, you know? And we like to do topics on Koinonia that relate to that, you know, very communal, kind of local issues where you connect faith to life as the station motto is here on 1360. Well, that's an introduction for the show, but I'm not Tom Brown. This is Vocab Malone, sometime host of Urban Theologian Radio, and uh, sometimes hip-hop artist out there. You might see me every now and again. Uh, but Vocab is filling in today for Tom Brown. And before I even get started, real quick, let me give a shout-out to something that the station is doing before I introduce the topic. Tuesday, August 23rd, at 7 o'clock, AMC Esplanade, we are going to be doing a special screening for the film Greater. Greater is going to be a story about overcoming great obstacles and the vehicle by which that's done is film. And it's about uh, probably one of the greatest walk-on players ever, uh, a man named Brandon Burlesworth. And uh, I think it's going to be a great time. So go and register at gracehillmedia.com and you can register for the screening there. And uh, we want you to also go to faithtalk1360.com. There should be a banner ad the top center for you to register. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Faith Talk 1360, click on that banner ad in the top center. So that's what's up with that. Now, let me read a passage to introduce our topic. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19. The Apostle Paul says this, God's word, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. That is a beautiful passage to introduce our topic today, which is black urban apologetics. Let me define something real quick. Apologetics is where you answer questions that a critic might ask about Christianity. Apologetics is where you give a reason why you believe what you believe, meaning why do I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Why is that something that's not blind faith, but faith or trust evidenced upon fact? Apologetics is where you discuss those very, very important issues. Apologetics is why do I believe the Bible is the Word of God? Apologetics is showing and displaying the truthfulness of Christianity, sometimes public, sometimes private. That's what apologetic is. It's really part of evangelism because the minute you share the gospel with somebody, they have questions. Apologetics is part of that evangelistic project because you ask questions. Sometimes you might be sharing the gospel in the country. Other time it might be in the city. And sometimes it might be not just in the city, but in the hood. 
So there's a special type of apologetic you might need to engage in when you're in those contexts. So when we come back, I'm going to introduce today's very special guest, a man who is involved with this firsthand, a man named Elgin Bailey. He does a radio show, so he's online with this type of stuff. He's also forming up a crew that's going to be specifically targeting issues that arise within urban context and those types of questions. So I really pray, regardless of what your background is, you stick around for this show because you may be like, do we really need that? The answer is yes. And when we come back on the other side with Elgin Bailey, I'm going to tell you why from the Bible, why we do need a such a thing as black urban apologetics. Koinonia Radio with Vocab Malone. Yo, 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 this is Vocab Malone. You are listening to Quinania. It's on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. And uh, I'm filling in today for Tom Brown here. Thank you very much, Tom, for letting me do that. And um, we are discussing the idea of this. Is, does the Christian church, do Christians in general, do we need this This um, as part of our, our overall missionary strategy, do we need something called urban apologetics, specifically even black urban apologetics? To help answer that question today, I have on the line a friend of mine and a man whom I respect in this field, Elgin Bailey. What's going on, Elgin? <laughs> What's up, okay? How you doing, brother? So, I'm doing all right. I'm glad to have you. Thank you very much for saying yes. So, the way I should call you is what I know you as Big L. Yes, sir. Big L is what everybody calls me, brother. All right. Well, tell people a little bit about Big L, please. Uh, man, uh, Big L is, you know, my nickname based off of the fact that I'm 6'4", 270. Uh, so, so people tend to call me Big L because of that. I am a believer, follower, lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all things that come with him, uh, I'm a husband, a father, advocate, activist, advisor, teacher, uh, lover of comics, lover of video games, <laughs> basketball. Uh, but most importantly, man, I, I love my family and I love the Lord, bro. I'm also a radio host. Uh, I host a uh, Sunday broadcast mm -hmm. on BEC Media uh, which is called Black Empowerment Christianity. I do a radio broadcast where I tackle topics such as this, uh, dealing with urban, sp particularly and specifically black urban apologetics. Uh, I just like to deal with topics, man, that I feel as though mainline Christianity, uh, the black church, white evangelicals, things along those lines, tend to neglect and overlook. Right, and, and three like weeks ago, we did a show together. I was on BEC Radio, and we talked about some of this about three weeks ago. People can look that up at blogtalkradio.com slash BEC Radio, and look for BEC Radio 101 with vocab alone. Your most recent broadcast, however, of course, is pretty much about today's topic. It's actually called Black Urban Apologetics. And here's the description of the show, and then I'll let you tell people a little bit about it. On this edition of the BEC radio broadcast, your host, Big L, will be joined on the panel by three brothers who are incredibly proficient in the area of black 
urban apologetics, whether it be black Hebrew Israelites to Egyptology and all and of, and of things in between. These brothers are willing to learn, engage and educate with the spirit of Christ. Explain a little about how that show was and the relationship it has to your overall ministry vision. What's going down with black urban apologetics? Man, the show in itself, brother, was phenomenal. Uh, It was a great opportunity, man, to have these brothers on to chop up this topic. Just a little bit of background. The reason why we feel the need Mm -hmm. to have that particular broadcast and that ministry is I live in a urban, a black urban, low income, low socioeconomic environment. And in the neighborhood and community that I live in, there are a ton of uh, other organizations that are don't hold the Christian faith that are perusing, purging, snatching, welcoming even uh, believers or former believers or people who attended the Christian faith mm-hmm. who are leaving and joining these other organizations such as the Black Hebrews or like the Five Percenters, the Nation of Islam or Islam, or just rejecting the faith in general. So we, these brothers and myself, uh, Brother Kitchen, Brother Ayo, uh, and Brother Laron, we decided that we wanted to bring this sort of ministry to the forefront by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, we invoking Luke 4.18 all day, uh, pushing that out there to saying, okay, we have to present the authenticity of the faith, the love of the Christian faith to these brothers and sisters who are leaving out. So on that particular broadcast, that's some of the things that we chopped up because within the context of the environment that we live in, there's not a whole lot of open dialogue about these organizations or for that matter a lot of open dialogue about the christian faith you know we just have those taboo topics that we just don't want to address so and we can Elgin, go down a list of them what are some of the topics you feel that people in the environment you roll in and just if you're catching up on the show what we're talking about is does the Christian church need to have any speciality in the area of apologetics that is defending the faith in urban environments, especially to so-called minorities such as black folks? Is that a need or is that just something we're imagining? And we're talking today to Big L and he says, listen, in the environments I'm in, there's a lot of questions people are asking, a lot of questions that people have that aren't really being addressed. And so, yes, this is a need. I'm seeing it firsthand. So if that's the, if that's the case, let's help people understand what are some of the questions being asked and what are some of the things people are wondering about when you present the gospel to them in these contexts? One of the big things is, brother, is even on a small level that people tend to want to overlook is Christianity in the black community has always had this whispering label of being the white man's religion. 
because of this misappropriation of scripture, this this false narrative of scripture, or not even scripture, for instance, of history, that you know Christianity was force fed down black folks' throats, you know that they had to take on Christianity, but not understanding that Christianity supersedes, you know, slavery. It's far beyond or before slavery, and introducing that dialogue and even talking about why is it important to address and dismiss and destroy the notion of it being a white man's religion? Why is that so important to black folks that it's not seen simply as a white man's religion? Right. Let me say if you let me jump, let me piggyback on that before we go to the next one. That's an important thing you are going to hear the minute you share the gospel in a, generally speaking, what you might call an urban environment, somebody will say that. And um, it has to do with perception of uh, slave masters forcing, you know, sort of a superficial Christianity via a generic kind of uh, American culture uh, on folks ever since the days of the slave trade. And, uh, of course, uh, we all know that that basically did happen. You know, that's, that's a historical reality. But the question is, what is Christianity? And we go back and we read the book of Acts and we see a diverse church there and we don't really see just this focus on Europe. Yeah, there's Greece and Rome. There's a whole bunch of other places. In fact, who's the first Gentile convert? It's a man from Ethiopia. And you look through and you say, man, this book really is for all people, all nation, all tribe, all tongue, Revelation 5 type language. But there's a misconception because of some historical abuses that have happened about, well, Christianity is a white man's religion. Now, it's true if you look out into the global landscape, you see a lot of people that are legitimate Christians and practice of Christianity. And guess what? Most of them aren't white. And that's that's the reality. But it's hard sometimes when you have a, a sort of a view looking out from your setting there, uh, say, in the hood, and all you see is, well, Christianity is a white man's religion. And so we want to deal with that. Um, let me throw a book real quick out. Now, it's an older book, but I'm going to bring up a couple books as we go throughout the show. This is written in 97, but it's still a really good book. It's really unique. It's called Defending Black Faith, Answers to Tough Questions about African-American Christianity, Craig Keener and Glenn Usri, and uh, the first chapter actually is, what do you say when someone claims that Christianity is a white religion? And actually the same authors uh, wrote another book that's pretty good called Black Man's Religion, Can Christianity Be Afrocentric? So there are some good resources on this, but we want to draw attention and awareness to it. And look, someone's like, well, I'm not black, so I'm not interested. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian listening to this broadcast, you ought to automatically be interested. You know why? Because you care about the Great Commission, which is preaching the gospel to all men and women throughout the whole known earth, to the ends of the earth, in, in the words of, of, of another book. If that's you and you're a Christian, you care about this, then you should care about what's going on in American cities. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, you should care about what's going on in America's inner cities. You see what I'm saying? So don't tune out. Just because you're like, well, I'm not from the hood and I'm not black, so this is irrelevant to me. Nah, get educated. This is why we're doing the show. We want it to be an introductory introduction to things that you may not have heard but are very important. And if you don't think it's important, what's going on in Milwaukee? Right? What's going on in our cities? It is obvious they need the gospel. And when I say they, I don't just mean... (laughs) 
I don't mean like one certain group. I mean everybody in the city and everybody dealing with those problems in the city, from the mayors to the politicians to the cops to the person living on the end of the block to the store owner. They need the gospel. And what we're saying is uh, theology should be context-driven, meaning you answer questions from the Scripture, yes, not from some other source, but you answer them in the context God has sovereignly placed you in. So what we're saying is, yes, we need to do apologetics in urban context, and we need to ask, or we need to answer questions that black folks are asking, and not just um, questions that people with money are asking. You know what I'm saying? So, Elgin, that's my little segue. What else do you want to say about um, the importance of black urban apologetics and maybe what you and your team are starting to do with it? Well, and, and let me introduce or add this aspect to that, which you just stated also. When when people ask and make the statement that it's a white man's religion, mm-hmm. that that's a very inflammatory and difficult label for many well-meaning non-black Christians to receive. Right. These are people who probably have never had any issues. You know, no, they don't have any relationship to slavery. Right. You know, they, they have all those. But this is what we're trying to instill and incorporate this and understand this. If you are having this conversation with somebody who is black and they bring this to you, you have to be careful on how you respond. You can't just simply give them a book even from a white author teaching on black black folks involved in Christianity. It, it, It has gotten down to be that important that you have to be that diligent in your thinking to say, okay, what else can I offer you? Would how, how, and just be open to the conversation, brother. Right, right. Good point. Um, we're going to talk more about this concept of black urban apologetics. Well, my main man, Big L, he does something called BEC Radio. Be sure to check that out on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Vocab. I'm substituting today for Tom Brown here on Quinonia Radio. Let me give a quick shout out to something we're doing in relationship to the Haiti food crisis. I want you to call this number, 844-868-4673. That's 844-868-4673. That translates as HOPE. Dial pound 250 and say faithtalk1360.com. And I want to encourage you to to provide meals for folks stuck in this crisis. For example, $120, 2,000 meals. See you on the other side of the break. This is Vocab Malone. You are listening to Koinonia Radio. I am substituting today for Tom Brown. Nobody can really substitute for Tom Brown, but I'm going to do my best. My name is Vocab Malone. And uh, we love to connect faith and life, just like 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk. That's the uh, motto. We love to do that. And today we're connecting faith in Jesus Christ with urban life, you know. And what we're asking today is, do we need an apologetic program, meaning a strategy, tactics that are designed for certain folks in certain areas, meaning not every person asks the same kind of questions when you say you need to be saved. When we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, people have different questions a lot of times, and some of them are very context-driven and context-sensitive. And all we're saying is if the church of Jesus Christ wants to fulfill the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all men, that we need to take into account that, yes, all men have the same basic salvific need, but all men 
aren't identical. They don't speak the same language, and they don't they don't share identical cultures, and they don't always ask the same questions based upon how they were raised and brought up in their environment and the things they see. And so, what we're saying is, a lot of times the city and the folks there have got overlooked when it comes to evangelistic strategies, and we don't want that to continue on. And so, I'm talking to my good friend Big L. He's doing something called Black Urban Apologetics. They had a great radio show on BEC Radio recently on August 7th. And now they're launching forward with a Facebook page, and they're going to be addressing some of these specific issues related to urban apologetics. Now, Big L, we were talking off the break, and you were saying sometimes people get scared, like, oh, no, is this going to be some liberal stuff? And is this going to just be some stuff just, just, you know, leftist politics? Oh, no, what are they trying to do to me? And we want to tell people what's the first and primary focus when we talk about apologetics. What's the end goal? You know what I'm saying? What's what are we talking about when we say gospel? Just break down your belief and your ultimate theological structure in relationship to urban apologetics. Well, the first thing, man, is the, the most obvious when it comes to any form of apologetics. Apologetics is just to defend the faith. We we're looking to defend the faith. And we're defending the faith from a black urban context. And when we use that term or that phrase black, it's specifically because we're battling and addressing many of these black organizations that are specifically preying on our people. First Peter 3.15 says, but sanctified Christ as the Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account. That is the focus of what we are looking to do with these people. Man, within our community, and I'm speaking specifically from a black perspective, within the black community, the black church are losing men, women, and children daily who are leaving these churches and going and joining these other organizations. One of the things that we're looking to address is why are they leaving? Because the first thing that many well-meaning Christians want to address vocab is simply say they're leaving because they are not part of the faith. Uh, They're not mature enough. Uh, They have too much sin. They have too much this. But they never want to address a holistic view of the man who is leaving. Some of these people are really leaving because these organizations are able to meet a need that the church is not able to meet or is not willing to meet, not willing to address particular things. But the one big obstacle that we always seem to face is, is that somehow because we are focused where we are, is that people want to say that we are not looking to have Jesus be the focus, that skin color and race is the focus. They accuse us of, of skin color idolatry and all those things when the reality of it is what we're doing is promoting and pushing Christ, right. doing the very things that he has empowered us to do. Right. Let me read something from Romans. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here. And uh, he was deemed as the Apostle to the Gentiles. Nonetheless, he's still a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he says in another place. And I want you to hear what he says in verse 3. I'm going to start with verse 1, God's word, Romans 9. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. 
And then he goes on and says, they are Israelites. My point is, Paul, who understands God's will in all this and believes in the sovereignty of God and is even considered the apostle to the Gentiles, this brother still says, I've got great sorrow and unceasing anguish. That, that's a pain that's not letting up, he's saying. And he's saying, I, I would almost wish that I myself could be damned so that more of my brothers, and he says, according to the flesh, this means members from the nation of Israel. And he's saying, that is who I want to see come into the light of the gospel. Now, is, is Paul allowed to say that? Is that okay? Or is Paul being a racist there? Paul, certainly not. <laughs> These are inspired words. Paul is showing a compassion that we all need to have. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And what we're saying is it's okay to say, you know what, there's some legitimate issues going on in our urban communities, environments. Let's make sure that we're not ignoring them, that we're dealing with them. And we see these other groups, a lot of times cults and false religions and heresies and unorthodox theologies popping up and swooping people up, especially in our cities. And the gospel's getting kind of trampled on it. It's like there ain't no light for the gospel being shined. But my main man, Big L, and others like him want to change that. We want to bring forward an apologetic program to say, no, 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 we can answer these questions from the Scripture. And Christianity does answer the questions that the hood is asking. What are some of the questions that you see being asked? And what are some of these groups who are swooping in and catching people off guard? So I want to give people kind of like a, the situation report. You know, if they ain't been there, let's let you tell them. Sure. One of the, the big organizations, man, in our community is the Nation of Islam. Well, uh, tell us about the Nation of Islam. Let's say somebody doesn't uh, really know where they are and why they're appealing. Well, let me throw out a name that I think most people are familiar with, Louis Farrakhan. Right. Nation of Islam is a, uh, in a simple manner, is an unorthodox aspect or piece or <laughs> a picture of Islam, the actual faith of islam they're a peace but they hold a more black nationalist right. view uh and some of their views are otherworldly um <laughs> literally otherworldly uh they have beliefs that you know there's a great mothership and things along those lines that are going to come and, I, and that's not me trying to be derogatory or demeaning towards them it's simply trying to highlight their faith these are people who Black folks see on a daily basis mm -hmm. being incredibly disciplined, standing out on the corner, uh, being very well-mannered, very clean-shaven, well-dressed, uh, pushing papers, selling you know, pies, selling other items. But they respect their women. They respect their children. They have a certain level of decorum that can be said is missing they clean up trash they they, they clean uh, up trash they do other push, things in the community push drug dealers out of the block they uh, might be p uh painting over some graffiti uh they might do a little community project everybody else is a lot of times out there looking all crazy they come you know dressed to the nines you know looking nice and and owning yeah. their own business and trying to be studious that way and so you say well this looks like this could be an answer this that looks all right great yeah now, we're not saying that it is. We're saying, but that's, you got to understand the appeal for a group like the Nation of Islam. Who else is out there? Who else is out there swooping people oh, up? Man. Uh, the black Hebrew Israelites. Well, uh, tell us about them. 
an, another organization, man, that actually would admit and say that they're a Bible-believing organization. Mm -hmm. uh, they would hold true and agree with many of the tenets that we hold true to, but then at the same time, there's some stuff that is so far left of what we believe. They're incredibly popular, again, because they offered another structured type of organization. Because this is one of the key things. If you have young black males in this particular instance mm -hmm. who come from single-parent homes, mm -hmm. low-income environments, and their only option, in most inner city areas, there's only three ways for people to get income, to get some type of money. That's for them to have a job, be it an employer or employee. Number two, government assistance. And the reality of it is number three is crime. In most low-income areas, if you have no jobs, you only have government assistance and crime, which leads black men to be in very dangerous situations. But these organizations give them something outside of crime that oftentimes the black church, which is oftentimes female-driven, mm -hmm. is not able to offer them. So part so of what was there. Let me let me try to explain. So if someone's like, OK, uh, I don't even know what a black Hebrew Israelite is, but it sounds weird. And you're, you're saying it's appealing, but I don't really understand. OK, here's what we're here's part of what we're saying. There's a, a crisis of masculine identity within our city context. There's a epidemic of fatherlessness and it creates a question of what does a man look like? Turn on the TV and Jay-Z and Lil Wayne and whoever else is going to try to tell you their version. And you say, what does a man look like? And um, you see a lot of nonsense in your context. Then someone says, I'm going to tell you what a man looks like from the Bible. And he's a black Hebrew Israelite. And it looks like an appealing vision of masculinity because you see brotherhood and camaraderie and uh, oftentimes large men with beards who seem like they have a purpose and a reason for existing. They're not just hanging out in front of the corner shop. They got something to do. And you say, I don't know what this is, but th this seems, look how bold they are. Th look, this is empowering. And so you get caught up in this thing called black Hebrew Israelites. But like Big L mentioned, some of the stuff they teach and believe dangerous what are what's an example of something they believe if people are like well what's a black hebrew is like in the first place who are they what do they believe some of the things that they believe man is the fact of uh reincarnation for instance a lot of the the members or particularly some of the high ranking members believe that they've been reincarnated to such people as you know king david right. which causes all types of crazy division within their organizations. Um, they take certain pieces of scripture, particularly the Old Testament, and say it's, you know, part of the transatlantic slave trade and how it, you know, the, the white man was Esau. It's just so many different dynamics that it's a very, if you're not someone who is biblically literate, you will be sucked in because of the other components that are attractive to these young brothers and sisters. Right. We're going to talk more about the attraction of some of these groups, such as Egyptologists, Kemetic Cats, in our inner city neighborhoods across the nation with my friend Big L. This is Vocab Malone sitting in for Tom Brown on Quinnity Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is Vocab Malone. 
That's my favorite beat that Tom Brown uses, you know. <laughs> Most of the music on the show is not necessarily my style of music, but uh, that one starts off a little bit strong there. So we're on Quinn and E Radio. My name is Vocab, Vocab Malone. I'm filling in. I'm substituting today here on 1360 KPXQ. And hopefully you guys are listening live. You know you can stream us everywhere you are at uh, 1360 KPXQ. At, uh, I'm sorry, that's the, that's the name of the station. But the website is faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. So even when you're not in your car... Check us out that way and listen live and be sure to share it with your friends and all that. Now, Big L, he's out there in Philly. And, of course, Philly is the city. And today's topic is very city-related. We're asking, as we do evangelism, as we share the gospel, as we witness as Christians, as people of God, we're supposed to take it everywhere. That includes blocks, city blocks. And when you're on those city blocks sharing the gospel, whether you're inside the walls of the church or outside the walls of the church, even if you're online, there's certain questions that people ask. And we want to make sure, by the grace of God, those questions are being answered from the Bible in a way that's clear and relevant. And so that's why today we're talking about this idea of black urban apologetics. Do we need it? it is, is it something that we need? We believe it is, and we're trying to make that case. Let me read something real quick from a book here called Introducing Black Theology, Three Crucial Questions for the Evangelical Church. It's on Baker Books by Bruce Fields, just so you know. Baker Books is an evangelical publishing house, not some you know liberal thing. Sometimes the minute people hear this stuff, they their radar goes up and they say, well, that must be liberal. I just encourage you not to have that knee-jerk reaction. You know, give things a chance. Let us let's make the case here. That's what we want to do today. But let me read from page 47. Here's what he says. All theology is in some sense a local theology, that is, a system of thought that emerges from the interplay of the gospel, the church, and culture. Then he goes on to say this, The church has a double-lensed perspective. One eye is on the foundational traditions of the faith, while the other eye is on the community and its culture, which comprises all the factors that make up the way of life for the people. So there is a contextual nature of theology. We're not saying that the basic truths of Jesus Christ, the God-man, alive, crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended, coming back, that doesn't change. But cultures do change. Fifty years ago, people weren't saying chop it up. That's a slang word you've heard a few times in the show. Chop it up means to converse or talk about. Or sometimes people just say chop. There's even a Christian hip-hop album one time called The Chop Chop. So chop it up. People weren't saying it back then. That's an example of the way culture emerges and changes. And the gospel was relevant to every culture, to all men and women of every shade and every age. We just want to be faithful witnesses in that venture to show that it is the answer for all people everywhere. Big L, before you get into the idea of black urban apologetics and talk a little about some of the groups there, can you tell people real quick, how do people find you online they want to track you down and see what you're doing. Man, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Elgin Bailey. I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, uh, BEC Media. I'm on Facebook as Elgin Bailey. I am just about on every doggone uh, social media platform that you can think of, except Snapchat, because I can't understand what's going on there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. But, man, I'm, I'm everywhere. You can just... And I'm willing to have any sort of open, honest dialogue about this stuff, man. I think it's that crucial and that important. 
And recently, so you guys did a show on BEC Radio called Black Urban Apologetics. And the broadcast prior to that, I did a one-on-one interview. And so I encourage people to check those out. Now, As a matter of fact, this Sunday, yeah. I have another brother coming on All right. who has wrote, uh, he writes articles, man, and does different teachings. And this Sunday, we're going to be talking about some of the so-called conscious community leaders oh, okay. and how they have been an affront to the faith also, the, the Umar Johnsons, the, you know, the Brother Polites, those type of brothers, man. And, and we're going to dig in and, and handle those type of discussions this Sunday also. All right, good. Well, so I want to get into some of this, this Egypt stuff. But before we do, since you brought it up, explain to people who don't understand that phrase, conscious community what is the conscious community and what's its relevance to our inner city neighborhoods and all that? What, what is it? What's going on the there? The conscious community would probably be the one of the biggest faith communities in the black community and urban community. The conscious community is when black folks in particular come to a so-called awakening of their native history, their native language, their native culture, and they use that as a way of trying to build and sustain a certain type of lifestyle and culture within this American dynamic. So they tend to call them conscious because they're awake to their history and not only the history abroad, but also their history here. So it's a, it's a, it's a I'm awake, you're not awake. I'm conscious, meaning that I know what's taking place. Yeah, okay. So you mentioned uh, two big names in that, Umar Johnson and Polite. And um, now there's people that, you know, live in those areas that they traffic in. They see them out there on the street with a microphone. But most people's exposure, besides maybe a few public events here and there, are through video uh, frequently, YouTube seems to be a primary means of transmission of these ideas, but, you know, they also Ooh. sell videos and whatnot. I mean, how do people get exposed to some of this stuff, and uh, how does it kind of pass? Because it doesn't really go through the standard mainstream channels in some ways. No. it's YouTube is probably the most popular trafficker of this type of material. I mean, literally, there are a ton of materials on, you know, the so-called conscious communities where they hold these huge forums where they ask questions and they debate each other, uh, whether you're Hebrew Israelites, whether you're Egyptology, whether you're Kemetic, they are huge. And what's missing there is a large segment of Christians addressing these type of issues head-on in a loving, graceful, gospel-focused, gospel-centered manner where we're just giving the gospel, living the gospel, and most importantly, a dynamic that seems to be missing oftentimes when it comes to this topic is modeling the gospel, meaning that we're still loving our neighbor, but we're still able to defend the faith all while doing these things, man. Let me uh, read again. I'm, I'm trying to give resources to people. Here's a book called Keep Your Head Up. Edited by Anthony Bradley, America's New Black Christian Leaders, Social Consciousness, and the Cosby Conversation. I'm going to read some of the chapters and the issues that are dealt with. More than victims, the benefits of a theological vision, the black family, the hope of true religion, sexuality in the black community, gangster rap made me do it, what's really going on, black men and masculinity, the church and community, redeemed and healed for mission, the black church and orthodoxy, 
the prosperity gospel. Reverend Michael Eric Dyson, an analysis. My point is, to, I want to read that table of contents, which is not necessarily like, you know, if you go to radio school, they, they're they not going to say, hey, you know, a great way to do radio is um, read the table of contents, you know, of books on your show. Right? But uh, we're trying to do a deeper show here today, and I pray that people just hang with us. My point is to show you, first of all, some of these issues are being talked about by, yes, legitimate evangelical Christians, right? And yes. also, if you hear a list like that and it sounds really foreign to you, that just means you're you're not there and being exposed to these things, but these are important issues. You're going to hear some common themes keep them popping up. And so when you hear some of these groups such as Black Hebrew Israelites, Nation of Islam, the Conscious Community, Egyptologists that we'll get into in a second, they're answering some of these questions. And so like Big L, when you heard that list and when you think about some of the issues that are being dealt with, I mean, what's your response? What do you want people to um, – you know, kind of realize, I'm just, we're trying to reiterate the same point almost again and again. What do you want them exactly. to re- re- realize about what's going on and how these groups are answering some of these questions that are being asked? What, what we've got it. It's the same type of thing. That, that There's a thin line. The only difference between the nation of Islam and Mormonism is essentially the color of those who participate in those two faiths. But Mormonism gets a whole lot of publicity and gets a whole lot of spotlight. And these other things have just kind of been written off and left to the wayside. Right. But they need to be focused on also. And one guy, man, for years who was excellent in teaching on this stuff and has tons of books out there. His name was Tom Skinner, old school black evangelical Mm -hmm. brother who brought the fire. He had one book, man, that I just devoured. And it said, if Christ is the answer, what are the questions? Right. And walking through that book, man, he presented himself as a black evangelical man who was willing to face some of the questions that a lot of black folks are addressing and struggling with. Tom Skinner really was a man before his time. Man. Yeah, he was uh, dealing with issues that we're barely getting to. You know, I'm holding, actually, I brought one of his books with me to today's show. This one's called How Black is the Gospel? Man, copyright. Same thing, brother. Yeah, so 1970. 1970. So think about how many years ago that is, right? I mean, this is actually before I was born. Tom Skinner, I mean, the cover price still says $2.25, right? And yep. so he's dealing with a lot of these issues because he was, um, in a lot of ways, sort of like, I don't know, one of the first crossover figures, meaning somebody who, who had a foot in um, the so-called historical black church and, and came yes. from like a street type situation. In fact, I think there's a comic book about a, about his, uh, about his life and his testimony called up from Harlem. And here he is now he's saved by the gospel and he tries to get it in. And he sees there's some challenges between white Christians and black Christians. And he sees there's some, some gaps and some divides and he wasn't trying to be a divisive person. And he wasn't, in fact, I think God really used him to reconcile many and he, he wanted to bridge the gap between not just white and black Christians, but also between the gospel and the streets. And God used him in a mighty way, did a lot of good things. And um, it's a good point to pr- print out, point out that, you know, we're not the first one saying this. And, and we need to get in and say, what, what, what are the questions that people are asking, you know, and not just like uh, ignore it. And, and before we write these groups off, it's like what you said, you know, people give uh, Mormonism a lot of shine and apologetics, but you won't find nearly as much analysis when it comes to some of these other groups. And that creates a gap and a void because then they end up sneaking in. And there's not really many resources developed to say, hold up. 
pump your brakes, you know? Uh, can you give a one-minute description of Egyptologists? <laughs> because that's a group uh, we, ha- we need to mention. Man, Egyptologists, man, the word comes from Egypt, of course. It means a study of ancient Egypt history, mm-hmm. including language, uh, literature, religion, you know, and just using that as a way of connecting back to Africa, connecting back to Egypt, and having some sort of awakening and connection to that as a way of bypassing the Christian faith in a quick summary. Right, and it's sometimes something that is very popular. You might see them them mixed in with a term called commit or comedic, mm-hmm. and um, it is growing, and it's another issue that needs to be tackled and challenged. When we come back, we've only got a few minutes left, but Big L and myself, Vocab, are going to give a few tips and strategies about how we should proceed dealing with this issue. Don't go anywhere. This is Koinonia Radio. My name is Vocab. I've been talking to Big L about the concept of urban apologetics. Black urban apologetics is a ministry, an organization that he's began as part of BEC Radio. He also does that, Black Empowerment Christianity. And today we've been talking about the need for specific answers to specific questions that people answer when the gospel is presented in those city-type contexts. And we wanted to really focus, man, on the fact that just like the old Andre Crouch song said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. That's true. And that's been true then, and it's true now, and it's true for the suburbs, and it's true for the city. And we just want to make sure they don't go unnoticed, because the cities are important. Uh, the city, I mean, Jerusalem's a city, ain't it? Isn't there a heavenly city? And then, I mean, this idea of lots of people living together in community is what it's supposed to be. It matters. So what's some, what's a, maybe a tip you could give to churches or, or to Christians, you know, uh, f- to help be part of this solution? If they don't want to just sit around, they want to be busy? What's a tip? First tip, uh, pray, seek Seek get the Holy Spirit to ask the Holy Spirit for some wisdom. Do not just jump in this willy-nilly, just running out there with full of uh, zeal but no knowledge because it's a very, very tricky, dangerous uh, environment and atmosphere, not necessarily from a physical standpoint, but from a emotional, mental, and spiritual standpoint. Right. But take your time and really open yourself up to find out what is plaguing some of these things just don't write folk off and that goes whether it be these black cults or any form of cult or a type of sinfulness at some point in time we have to do a far better job brother of modeling christ and getting involved there's a wonderful conference that's going to be taking place in philadelphia with pastor eric mason man in epiphany where he's doing a urban apologetics conference uh Seek those things out. Have dialogues with other black Christians. Ask some questions. What is the, is there a difference between my Christian faith and your Christian faith? Good advice, Big L. Wish we could do more. Can't. Let me give a final shout-out on today's show. That make sure you see KPXQ's screening of a movie called Greater. Go to 1360 KPXQ's website at faithtalk1360.com. There's a banner ad in the top center. Register, and you'll be able to see it Tuesday, August 23rd at 7 p.m.